He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Father, we come before you this morning with a ready heart. We pray in the name of Jesus that you use your Holy Spirit to cause us to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. I subdue every opposition to the word of God. I pull down every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And I pray that, Lord, your anointed word will go to your people, cause that it will fall on good soil, and cause that we will be doers of the word and not hearers only. Thank you that the words that you speak to us, they are spirit and they are life. This morning, let the spirit and the life of your word be deposited in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This morning, I want to speak to you about things that we must learn. Things that we must learn. It's interesting that your pastor spoke about obedience just before I came up. But... The Bible talks about learning in many places. For instance, Paul says in um, I don't think I can say everything, but I'll say some. Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 11 that he has learned to be content. Amen. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, be, to abound. And in any every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Amen. Another thing that the Bible talks about learning is Hebrews 5 verse 8 where it says about Jesus, though he were a son, yet learnt he obedience through the things he suffered. The Bible talks about learning about the fear of God. It talks about some women who learned to be idle and tactless, busy bodies, running from place to place and from house to house. It also talks about the fact that you should not be a companion to an angry man, lest you learn his ways and become as hot-tempered as he is. So there are many things that the Bible tells us to learn. Some of them are already bad things that we have learned and have to unlearn, and some of them are good things. Amen. So I want to start with Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. 
Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Some of us, we don't know the books of the Bible, but we know a lot of unnecessary things. It's good to know about current affairs, but you know about the lady who has just been arrested for cocaine. You know all her six aliases, but you don't know the word of God. So you must know current affairs, yes, but the word of God is paramount. Though he were a son, yet lent he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Amen, somebody. Amen. Now, what does it mean to learn? Hello? means to acquire certain information you didn't know before. For instance, you say, oh, I learned they are good friends. Oh, I learned she went to this school with her. Oh, I learned when her father died, this and this happened. It is information you didn't know before coming to you. And then learning also can be formal learning, where you sit down and you imbibe information by being disciplined and by acquiring a knowledge that you didn't have before. That's why in school, some people chewed cola. I never did. Some people drank coffee. I never did because in my school and in my time, it was against the rule to learn in the night. So I grew up that way, learning during the day. And throughout university, I never knew how to learn in the night. But my husband was a night owl, and he could learn in the night. And one day, Bishop Saki forced me we had property law, and I kept saying, I'm going to bed. He said, no, 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 we have to finish this, and we have to do this. So I learned the whole night before I knew it was in the morning. And the way we went to write the paper, when I write two sentences, then I fall asleep without wanting to. Then the invigilator will wake me, please, get up and finish your paper. I slept throughout. From that day, I decided to be like David, to go in my own armor, and not in the armor of another. So I back to learning during the day but I learned a lot of things that I didn't know before but I learned it in theory so there's also a practical aspect of everything you do including becoming a lawyer you may learn the rules you may learn the procedure you may learn the order but unless you go into real life you can't learn certain things so we came out of school having learned the theory which Bishop Kakra was talking about. But in addition to the theory, you learn certain things just by being on the job. For instance, when we started working with our senior, who was my father-in-law, he told us, when you see the face of the client, the first thing you do is to book the client and then make him pay something. You know, before you take his brief, he must pay something. And then Bishop Zaki and I, who, have learned, who had learned our theory, when we came, we looked at the man and his face looked very sad and he looked like he was in trouble and we were led by emotions. So we asked him, before we take your brief, please, you have to pay a fee of this to engage us. And he said, oh, the money is not here. Next time I'll bring it. And because he looked so sorrowful, so we took the case. And then we started the case in court. Every day we go to court, we were defending him for stealing. We knew that he had stolen. <laughs> but we didn't defend him that 
he didn't steal. We defended him that, we, we, we asked for mitigation that he was a first-time offender. He had never done it before. So the judge should please look. Then this guy had an innocent face. Every time we go to court with our own money, our own strength, our, he would look at us, oh, lawyer. He actually made a hole in one of the ministries and entered and went to steal all their videos and the, oh, but we defended him and he got off the hook for being a first-time offender. Up to today, he has not paid. <laughs> so you learn through the things you go through. And then we began to say that, hey, clients are very bad. They are very unreliable. But our senior had learned that through walking through it. So you don't just learn theory, but you learn the practicals. And not long ago, Bishop Saki told me, somebody has invited me to Palladium to go and preach there. I said, who is that? He said, mommy, you won't believe. I said, who is that? The thief has become a pastor and has the nerve to remember us and invite Bishop Saki to a conversion in his church. So I told him, when you go, give him the bill and add the profits. And he went and he told me that, mommy, the guy is a pastor. Cry. He's preaching. God has touched him, but he still has not paid. Amen. <laughs> the Bible says about Jesus, though he was a son, yet lent he obedience by the things which he suffered. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. So yes, Jesus was the son of God. Yes, Jesus had come from heaven, but even Jesus had to learn certain things. So obedience is not just learned in theory. Obedience is something you learn through the experiences God allows us to go through. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Amen, somebody. Now, if Jesus had to learn obedience through the things he suffered, what about you and I? Obedience is something we learn in the Bible. And many times, we learn many verses. And then we say, oh, to obey is better than to sacrifice. You know, you really have to do this. You come to church every day, you hear the word of God. But it is different when you have to learn obedience. Amen. Somebody like us, we just do it in theory. But when it comes to the practicals, sometimes we want to shy away from what God says. Amen. The first thing was that he did not count equality with God something to be grasped at. How did, what steps did Jesus go through before he learned obedience. He was God. 
from the beginning of creation. But God made him manifest himself in the flesh. It is like you are a very great person, and then God makes you come down to things that you would normally not do or to things that you would normally not be used to. You are the king of kings and the lord of lords, but you have to count equality with God because Jesus is also God. Not something to be retained, not something to be held on to, but he humbled himself and became a man. Man has many problems. First of all, man is subject to a lot of decay. As soon as you are born on this earth, the countdown begins and you begin to decay from day one. When a baby is uh, uh, introduced in this world, the baby just starts to decay and to die and to go towards the grave. So man is corrupted. Man is in the flesh. You are subject to so many things in the flesh. And yet Jesus learned obedience through the things that he said. Lord, if you say that I should go to the earth as a man, I will not hold on to my position and say that I'm the son of God. Therefore, I cannot turn myself into anything else. The Bible says that because Jesus came in another form, the people on the road to Emmaus did not recognize him. In the same way, you come to Christ, and sometimes you may think, oh, I'm a very important person. Or you may think, do you know who I am? Do you know what God has made out of me? Do you know my position? Do you know my level? But when you come into Christ, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. So you learn like Jesus. He humbled himself. Not angels came to humble him. But he humbled himself unto death, even death on the cross. Every Christian will have to learn obedience through dying to something. You can die, sometimes you may have to die, to your desires. You want to sleep, but the Bible says pray without ceasing. And it's 55 to 7, we are doing how to pray. Pray without ceasing. So you can't say, oh, this is how I feel like, so I'll do it. You, you learn obedience through humbling the flesh, through dying on the cross. And there's no cross in the lives of believers except the chain or the necklace. But there's no real cross in our lives. The Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Daily and follow me. But in Christianity today, there's no cross. It's just what we will get, what will move us forward. What, but the cross also brings a resurrection. And the resurrection also brings a blessing. But we are not prepared like Jesus to humble ourselves unto death, even death on the cross. Many years ago, when God called me into full-time ministry, and my children went to school, they came back and they said to me, Mommy, when we used to say that you were a lawyer in our essays, it was more prestigious. But when I told my friends that you have become a pastor, I said, oh, then your parents are now two thieves. <laughs> Unless you are able to humble yourself unto death, the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He had a reputation. He was the son of God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, but he made himself. So unless you cooperate, God can never make you what you should actually be. He humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation and humbled himself unto death, 
even death on the cross. And then he found himself, when he said, Lord, I will be, he just found himself in the form of a servant. One of the things that I had to die to was my reputation. Maybe you don't think I had much reputation, but from the little town I grew up in, we were a very well-known family. And then also by the grace of God, I hadn't been in need before. And whenever people were being sent out of school to go for their school fees, I used to think it was a nice thing because it gives you the opportunity to go home. But now that I've grown, I've seen that it was a foolish thought. And then my father used to pay everything, my school fees, book fees, these fees. And I used to think, oh, I wish I'll be on this other list so that I'll be able to go home. Thank God he doesn't listen to some foolish prayers. But through it all, I lived a life of provision. And then by God's grace, I went through the law faculty, law school, passed by God's grace, didn't have to repeat anywhere, got a good job, and walked with God. But I knew from a very tender age, my Sunday school teacher told me when he led me to Christ that God has called you. But I didn't know the time. And when the time came, I had to learn obedience by the things that I suffered. It was, my problem was not God, oh, my problem was you. That when I wear my shoes, you say it's from the offering. When I wear my dress, you say it was your pledge that was taken last week. When I go abroad, you say that you have been buying me the tickets. Meanwhile, my father has been taking me abroad before you joined the church. And God said to me, who called you? I remember I was crying in my closet. You called me, Lord. I love you, but it's the people, the people, the people. And God said, if it's me, then you have to learn obedience through the things which you suffer. Amen. And you see, it's not just one leap. You just take that leap and then it's over. There's nothing like that. And when I decided to come into the ministry, my boss at the attorney general, she called me and she said, you know, it's good that you have a profession and everything, but as you are resigning, I didn't say what I was going to do. If you are going to do that thing, that's what she called it, that your husband is doing, then let me advise you, Adelaide. Men change. And men are not always faithful. And if the man changes, and you've taken your whole life, your profession, you've put it into this thing, what will happen to you? She said it out of love, and she meant well, and she had a point. But the Holy Spirit said to me, the only difference is you are not following this man. You are following the man of Galilee. <laughs> and he knows how to take care of you. I had done many Bible studies. I'd been born again for a long time. But it comes to a place where you learn obedience through the things that you suffer. Because when it's in theory, it's, oh, I love God. Oh, yeah. Oh, anything God will say. But when he says, are you able to do? When he says, are you able to be committed, even in tears, to obey him? Yet lent he obedient. Obedience through the things he suffered, not through the things he enjoyed. Because somehow, enjoyment doesn't bring obedience much. But suffering brings obedience. Amen. When I was working as a lawyer, 
and the church was small. The church was not known. So everything that happened, you were cocooned and you were shielded. But it came to a point where we had all these crises in Kolegono. Every day in the papers, every day when I go to the office, it, the times are lined, the headlines, church attack, church this, church that. Oh, what is all this? Yet lengthy obedience through the things that he suffered. Jesus is our classic example. Some of you, even little obedience, tithing cry is a problem. How much more your life? You are not able to, to, to pay your tithe to the Lord, but you pay your tax every day because IRS is after you, VAT is after you, and so you want the church to be after you also, but God is not like that. So the little things are the things where we learn obedience. Amen. Now turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 22. We've learned about Jesus, yet learned he obedience through the things that he suffered. Amen. Turn to your friend and say, what have you been through? What have you survived? Amen. This is the popular story we all know of Abraham and God asking him to go and sacrifice Isaac and the Bible says Abraham rose up early saddled his horse and went up and as he was going on the journey Isaac asked him daddy I can see we have firewood I can see we have kerosene I can see we have matches but where is the animal we are going to sacrifice because the Jews were used to sacrifice. Can you imagine the emotional trauma and what he has to tell Isaac that God will provide? That was a classic answer. I don't know what I would have said. It must have been divine. So as they went up and then now, the Bible says it took three days journey. So he had the opportunity to even return or change his mind. But three days journey on that road just going on the road of obedience to obey God. And he built an altar. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh. Amen. What did God say to Abraham? He says, now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham had worked with God. He had left his country, his kindred, his father's house, unto a land that God would show him. Sometimes I have problems with God because he's not too definite. If you call me, tell me that I'm going to Asankregua, but you tell me to a land where I will show you. 
And Abraham still obeyed and left everything and went out there. The Bible says he went not knowing where he was going in Hebrews 11. And then, as if that was not enough, he came to a land that had been promised him, occupied by so many people. And then he had issues with Lot. Then he had to go and help Lot fight and be delivered. And then angels came to visit him that Sarah will have a child. Then Sarah offered him Hagar. So many things, but he kept on track. Eventually, God's promise comes to pass. And after Isaac has grown, and Abraham can see the goodness of God and his faithfulness, God asked him, come and sacrifice that thing. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Amen. The very thing you hold dear, God asks you to come and sacrifice it. And usually it's not because he wants it, but because he wants to see what is in your heart. So the all-knowing God says, because of your obedience, now I know that you fear God. It means that all along you've been doing this, doing this, doing I didn't know. But now I know that you fear God and that you have not withheld your son. And even he describes, so you know that it's my only son and you are saying I should sacrifice. Your only son Isaac from me. This morning, if in your Christian walk you have not had to sacrifice anything or learn obedience through the things that you suffer, then something is wrong. God will always move you out of your comfort zone. If not, then I challenge the God that you are serving. Yet lengthy obedience through that. Even simple obedience. Uh, Hebrews 10, 25. Let's not neglect to meet us as the habit of self. That one you don't even obey. Just to come to church, to be in his presence. The Bible says we should meet more as we see his coming approaching. That one you don't obey. Normal tithing, you don't obey. All those things may not be easy, but that is how you will learn obedience. And when you get to a certain place, tithing becomes second nature. Anything you get, that's the first thing you think about. Oh, I have to take God's portion out. Oh, I have to give God what is his due because it has become a part of you. You have learned obedience. Amen, church. This morning I ask you, what have you learned? Have you learned obedience even in little things? Before even the big things of sacrificing your Isaac. Yet lengthy obedience through the things that he suffered. Amen. And, you know, I was reading the scripture and thinking, wow, how did Abraham, how was he able to do all these things? Hebrews eleven seventeen, It's something that helps us to obey God maybe a bit more easily. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Are you there? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Here is the key, verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Amen. The reason why Abraham was able to offer Isaac was accounting that God was able to raise Isaac up. 
That even if he says, I should slaughter him on the altar, the same God who gave Isaac to me is able to raise him up again and give him to me. Amen. And that faith and that trust makes it a little bit easier to learn obedience. When obedience comes on the heels of God's faithfulness, God's power, God's ability to give back more than we think we are losing to us, it makes it easier. When you have a bad mind about somebody, it's very difficult to obey the person. You know, like in Ghana, we don't have a very good mind about paying taxes because we don't see what our taxes do. So we are not very encouraged when taxes are taken from us because as the roads are, so they shall be and ever shall be. As the doom saw is, so it is and ever shall be. So when you see that taxes being taken away from you, you are not encouraged. But when you see that that God who is asking you for Isaac, accounting that he is able to also raise him up and give him back to you, it makes your obedience have a different shade altogether. Hallelujah. Yet learned he obedience through the things that he suffered. Another thing that we can learn is to be content. Like I said at the beginning, Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Philippians is not in the Old Testament. Amen, somebody. Philippians 4. Are you there? 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, I have learned. A Christian must be willing to learn. You, you will never finish learning. Amen. My husband says that the world itself is a classroom, and every experience, everybody you meet is your teacher. If you only you will be willing to learn anything. And so Paul says, I have learned. So things that we must learn. Amen. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Amen, somebody. So we learn from this that there are certain things that we can learn. We can learn to be content under all circumstances. I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Whether I'm in this state, whether my child goes to this school and this other person's child goes to this school, whether this happened to this and this, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. The Bible says, and they, comparing themselves with themselves, are no wise. I have learned. In what, a lady came to me for counsel. She said, my husband, Lady Reverend, speak to him. He really annoys me. I said, why? He, said, he doesn't bring money. All that he does is to kill mosquitoes around me. <laughs> In the night, when mosquitoes are biting me, then he'll be doing this.
When she walked out, another lady came and said, my husband, he buys everything for me, but he's not loving. He's not kind. I wanted to call the mosquito killing husband and the money providing husband to meet. I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. It's also something you learn. It's an experience you go through. It's something that you say that I'm going to learn this. It may not come naturally, but you learn it. My father used to say, if you go to somebody's house and the person is eating turkey, you should not be jealous for all you know is a vulture <laughs> that has been garnished. It's true. And in the church, we compare ourselves with ourselves and we are not wise. Amen, somebody. I have learned. And this is the Apostle Paul who then comes to say, I can do all things through Christ who's strength. You can do all things, but there are times when you have to learn to be content. Amen. Some of you, maybe God has called you to something in the ministry. Or all that you do, you start by cleaning toilets. Say, no, 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 Lady Reverend, I want stage ministry. I want a ministry where I'll be seen. Meanwhile, you have not learned how to be faithful in the back room. And so when you come to the stage, one, two, no, your, your ministry is finished. And also ministry is not just about publicity and about being seen. If it's about being seen, then at the Kodesh, I'm seen once a year for three days. Women's meeting. Three days. That's when I stand on my stage to speak. But behind the scenes, there are many things that I do. I do pastoral care. I look after our primary school. I look after our junior high. I look after our orphanage. I do a lot of board meetings with the different departments in the church. I do marriage school for missionary wives. And the missionary wives alone, do you know how many even pastors or missionaries there are before you divide? But you can easily come to the church and say, this woman, she doesn't do anything. She just sits in front. And you can also easily be a wife and say, I don't know why I should be doing the back duties. I want to be seen. You want to be seen. Do you think it's easy to stand here? But God will groom you from the back waters. And then in the church, when we're having ISI, big meetings, I do protocol, which is behind the scenes. But I've learned in whatsoever state to be content. And by the grace of God, I don't feel stifled, moved behind. I don't feel anything like that because I think that everything is God's timing and God knows what he's doing. And the amazing thing is, I always tell my staff, you see, when the great men of God come, like when Benihin came, all these great men of God who passed through the Kodesh, when they come, people will be saying, oh, please, can I see them? Oh, they, but we, we do protocol. So we now have to give you water. We now have to give you food. We now have to set the table for you. So invariably, you will meet us. And every time, after they have eaten and they have drunk, they say, oh, let your workers come. I want to speak a blessing over their lives. <laughs> So when you learn to be content where you are, God has a way of seeing you, meeting you, and touching you 
in his own way. I have learned in whatsoever estate to be. And he said, I know how to be full. I know how to be full and I know how to be empty. That's an amplified version. I know how to be full and I know how to be empty. Some of you know only how to be full. You don't know how to be empty. That Oh, I don't have this. There are certain times, certain things in your life, you don't have it. But you don't have to have it by all means. When we were moving into our first house, my mother-in-law bought it for us. And your Bishop Kakra here was a year out of architecture school. And then he was asked by Bishop to help us. We moved into an uncompleted house. When we moved, the ground was red sand. The windows were plywood, so you can't see because it's dark. And then when we were co- I was cooking, I had a two-burner, no, it's a four-burner stove, but only two work. And whenever I opened the window to get a little light, the wind would also come and blow the, 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 the fire. But I was so content that, hey, only a few years of marriage, and we live in a house of our own. What shall I render to you, my God, for all your benefits? But recently, sometimes some people will come and say, Lady Reverend, I would like to come and dedicate my house. But you see, I've been telling my husband, the house, he has tiled only two bedrooms. He says that where the children and I will be. But I mean, you have to tile everywhere. How can you be walking in sand? And I say, oh, really? When I moved, there were no windows. There were no tiles. And we did it little by little. And even up to today, my son said to me, he asked for that house every day, small construction, every day, small construction before it was finished. And I said to the everyday contract, what do you have? <laughs> After all is said and done, what do you have? But God taught us, and I learned in all things, to be content and to be thankful that God, what is this that you have done? Because when I look, everybody is renting. When I look, everybody has a landlord. When I look, everybody has advanced or the salaries, the rent is being changed. But Lord, here I am in my sun-filled floor but it's still for us. To God be all the glory. <laughs> he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to be lifted. Some of us, we feel that if I'm lifted, it should be lifting throughout. If I, but Jesus said, if you go somewhere, go and sit in the lowly places and let them call you up to the important place. But most of you, you will go to the important place and they'll say, oh, please, it's not there, it's at the back. Paul said, I've learned to be abased. We must learn the places where you just humble yourself. It doesn't matter. Your worth is not measured by where you sit. Your worth is not measured by whether people see you as whatever. God has already paid the price. And you are already what you are by the grace of God. Amen. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. But you come to church, you say... Uh, when I spoke to this person, he says that his child is in SOS. So me too. My child should be in SOS. Meanwhile, the feast for your husband is like blood transfusion. <laughs> and you still want to push him. But you have to come to that place where you can say, I have learned. 
I have learned in whatsoever state to be content. Amen. There's undue pressure even in ministry. You say, God, I have to be like this man of God. I have to be at this level. This man of God, he drives a Benz. So I should also drive a Benz by all means. Your congregation of six, you say you are bishop. You say you are bishop. You say you are apostle. You are forcing the congregation to get to a place that is not a place for them. They are not comfortable there. Because we have not learned to be abased and then to abound. Amen, somebody. In your work with God, there are times when you will be full. And there are times when you will be fasting. But some of you, you want just one kill. I always have to be full. But you will have to balance the two worlds. I have learned. If the apostle Paul had to learn, even in ministry, in whatsoever state, whether I'm in need, I will serve God. Whether I'm full, I will serve God. Whether I'm abased, I will serve God. Whether things are working out, I will serve God. Whether I'm now believing God for something, I will serve God. Whether I'm married, I will serve God. Whether I'm unmarried, some of you, you are here every time because you are unmarried. As soon as you marry, you say, I'm, I'm above the choir, Lady Reverend. You see, the choir, these young girls, Lady Reverend, so I'm above the choir. Either they make me lead singer or, but I can't. Yes, when you are based, you know how to live. But when you are exalted by God, you don't know how to handle it. But Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state to be content. <laughs> Amen, somebody. I am sure that I will end with this last one, which is not a positive. It is a negative where we learn, we learn bad ways and we learn to wander from place to place. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 13. And without they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tactless also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Amen, somebody. They learn to be idle. So idleness is something you learn. When you learn with people, when you move with people who are not fruitful, when you move with people who are not productive, even in the house of God and in the things of God, you are likely to become like that. Without they learn to be idle, wandering about, because you don't have anything to do, you are always Oh, I was just passing by. Makola, you go to every, every stall there. How can you be productive? If every time you are wandering from house to house, stall to stall, place to place, just that, because you are idle, you talk a lot, tactless. You, you, you don't have much to say. What you say doesn't have much weight because you have learned to be idle. Idle people never become productive. Because idle people, you never acquire skill. You never stay in the presence of God. You never know God in a close way because you are always, you see, why should somebody be idle and yet be wandering from house to house? So it's not talking about idle that 
you don't do anything. But it's talking about idle that you are unproductive. So you may say, I'm very busy. I'm very busy. You see, when I was young, we get up in the morning, Saturday, I hated Saturdays. And I still do. Because my mother made me work unduly. Don't tell her I said so. <laughs> and she will share all the work. Okay, you, you clean windows. You, you, hey, there was no difference between house help and the people who live in the house. We are all together. You know? So because of that, I have developed a dislike for Saturdays. So I, when I got married, I put all my work on Thursdays. Thursdays are when I cook everything, put in the freezer, do this, because Saturdays I, I've developed a dislike for that. And we'd get up and sometimes you are working, she'll say, hey, since you woke up in the morning, you have come to pass here. Again, you have come to pass again. What type of empty busy is that? Empty. So you are busy, but the business is empty. It's not bringing anything about. It is the same in the house of God. You learn to be idle. When you are a Christian and you don't get involved with the things of God, and you just become a pew warmer, you will not enjoy Christianity much. And it will even affect your roots in God. It's good, first stage Christianity, to come to church and to pay your dues to God as a Sabbath day you have come to church. But you should go beyond that. Because when you learn to be idle in the house of God, the devil will find work for idle hands. And usually idle hands are commentators. That is why when they are playing football, you and I can say, hey, but what are they doing? Why are they not passing the ball? But when you get there, you can't do much. But when you are not involved, you become a commentator and a critic. Because you have the time to stand behind and to look and to show them what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, and why they are doing it. But if you are on the playing field, you don't, much have, you don't have much time to even criticize or commentate on what is happening. Amen. Without they learn to be idle, going from house to house, tactless. If you don't get involved in a ministry in the church, you are likely to be idle. And when you are idle, you have a lot to say about the church, what's going wrong, why are they saying this, why are they doing this, you are not happy about that, you are not happy about this. But when you are involved, you even appreciate your pastors better. When they say, go visitation, the person, where do you live? A person shows you a wrong house because they don't want to see you. Then you learn about ministry. Or you go and you have to pass through some hole, cross some gutter. I know Accra well because of follow-up. Because somebody lives behind some gutter, behind some kiosk, behind some whatever. There, you go and minister to the person. You say, hey, is that what pastors do? Pastors are more prepared. But when you don't know, you call your pastor. I say, pastor, uh, it's 2 p.m. He said, you are sleeping, eh? That's what people used to tell my husband. Uh, you don't work anymore. You are sleeping, eh? He's sleeping, really. Because you don't know what ministry work is. Learning to be idle. And idleness also brings depression. Because when you are not doing anything, you have the whole time to think about all your problems in this world. And to think about when God will come through. And to be frustrated. But when you get yourself into the trenches and you put your hands to the plow, even that is therapy for you. God brings healing through that. And 
psychologists and psychiatrists tell me that it is something that they teach that you must get your hands to do something. Otherwise, idleness also leads you to depression. It's time to be involved in the things of God. It's time to be productive in the house of God. It's time to learn not to be idle, but to be active in the things of God. <laughs> things that we must learn. Things that we must learn. Shall we pray? Yet lent he obedience. Obedience through the things that he suffered. I want you to open your mouth and talk to God and say, help me to learn obedience. Starting with the little things in my life. Starting with the little things in your word. Starting in the little things that I hear in church. Help me as a child of God to learn obedience because Jesus learned obedience and anyone who will walk with God will learn obedience. Open your mouth. It's not just a formality. Ask God, help me to learn obedience. Help me to learn to be content. Help me to learn not to be idle. There are so many things that you say that I must learn. These three this morning, I take with me. Lord, help me. Father, teach us to learn obedience. Even when we go through, through things that are difficult, even through the things that we suffer, may we not suffer in vain, but may we learn some valuable lessons that you are teaching us. May we hear your voice. May the Holy Spirit lead us and teach us by your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.